Welcome to the Anagamers Podcast. This is episode number 42, recorded on Sunday, May 12th, 2013. I'm your host, Evan Minto, and I've got three co-hosts with me today who are really more the, co- the hosts, because I'm actually gonna, like, I'm gonna leave partway through, and then you guys are gonna be in charge. So, uh, introduce yourselves. Hello, my name is Philip O'Connor. I am a, a reviewer for AnyGamers.com. You can usually find me doing these terrible, terrible column, The Trapdoor, and I also write for... Co- it's pretty good. Yeah, well, you know, th- th- you're my boss, you're going to say that. Um, <laughs> like, I write for a couple of other websites, Otaku News, MangaBookshelf.com, and, you know, I do my, I, uh, my own podcast. When I remember, I have a website, which I just reminded me, I just got an email this morning, my... my, my uh, on my tablet this morning to say I should renew my hosting fees for eperschoice.com. I see how I got my plug in there. <laughs> Nicely yes. done. Oh, whatever, whatever, Phil. Your um, your trapdoor is really good, so don't just, don't disparage yourself too much, man. <laughs> um, I am Elliot Page. I am for I I feel like I should still be writing for any gamers, but I lapsed like a lazy sod. But I am. You should still be writing for any. Yeah, I should. So I've been trapped now. So I'm pretty sure by the end of this podcast, I'll be ha- I'll be signed up to two more things to do. Um, <laughs> I also don't. I, although I should write for UK Anime Network. Um, I stopped writing a while ago to pursue being busy at normal life. But I also do their podcast, which is um, much. So I do another podcast elsewhere. And um, that's monthly, um, but good fun because I managed to grab people who are much smarter than I to talk about things. And I just let them go and interject every now and then. And generally, we generally drink while it's going on. So, you know, <laughs> podcasting in its maximum form. Um, Elliot's going to be, yeah. uh, Elliot's going to be sent by Annie Gamers around the United States, folks. He's going on a kind of a goodwill tour, so he's going to turn up at your doorstep and say, "Can I talk to you today about the good news? Have you heard about Madoka Magica? Can we talk about it today, folks? <laughs> <laughs> have you heard about our Have you heard about our patron saint, the Dokes? <laughs> by the way, you got a bottle of beer hanging around. <laughs> I've, I I heard it's the Evangelion of anime. <laughs> oh. <laughs> every time, every time. God. I don't know. To be fair, given how everyone gotta keep that alive. Given given how everyone's raging about three point three three, it might just become the Evangelion of anime now. Now that the even get the Evangelion of Evangelion is no longer life. So. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, you can find me on uk-anime.net. Um, I'll, yeah, that's where I am mostly now uh, when I remember to do things and get harassed by very polite people who are also very British to do things. My name is Inc. I'm with Anagamers.com. <laughs> I occasionally contribute to uh, Doku USA and pretty much rave on about conventions that I like to attend for Anagamers. Everybody gave longer introductions than I did, so I'm the editor-in-chief of AnnieGamers.com. I'm the host of this podcast that never comes out, and uh, I also write for Otaku USA Magazine. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of the podcast that never comes out, the last podcast we did was in October 2012, or 2012. Uh, So yeah, I'm sorry about that. Uh, Thanks for coming back. Yeah, I've been really busy at school, and uh, I'm. It turns out on this episode, I haven't even watched the thing that everybody's talking about. So I'm just here to like introduce it, so that we can technically number this as an official Andy Gamers podcast. So uh, we, I basically tricked you into listening this far. Weren't you going to start a bunch of reviews that were based on not having watched or read whatever you were reviewing, that, and just that is that is part of the plan. That that I can't do that here because you guys are actually going to review the show that we're talking about or that you're talking about. But yes, but, but you can in the still, future, you can still stay. You know, you can like even if you haven't watched it, you can still stay and comment on it. It'll just become an episode of the A and N cast at that point. But that's cool. You know, that's 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 fine. <laughs> 
Yeah, like ask, 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 ask Listen, th- th- this is like the this is the tension that's going to be in this uh, this episode. It's like right now the listeners don't know whether I'm going to stay because I don't know whether I'm going to stay. I don't know. I don't think we want, I don't think we want to start sh- firing shots against A and N cast this early on. I mean, we've just about started again. All of a sudden, we're firing shots left and right. <laughs> that's like it's like we're in a Mexican standoff. We'll cut that we, out. We all have our backs to each other and like, okay, I'll take the f- hundred on the left. You take the hundred on the right. It'll work. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Philip. You get you get A and N cast. I'll get the reverse thieves. Ink. You're taking uh, anime three thousand. Uh, Elliot. Who are you gonna get? He's gonna kill us all. He's gonna kill um, uh, UKAnime.net. Like he's just gonna go total right. betrayal. You know, Gundam style on his own employers. <laughs> <laughs> I could. I, yeah, that, that sounds quite tempting. Whoops. Um, didn't say that. Didn't say that, folks. <laughs> We have a really bad tendency, as we've noticed in the pre-show, of getting far, far off topic. So I'm going to bring us back a little bit. I just want to like do some housekeeping. Uh, first off, like uh, I've not been like actually editing and posting on the site much lately. Ink's been covering for me, and I just want to say I appreciate that. Thank you, Ink. I you get your like public thank you here on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, you didn't notice the difference. Hopefully, it just you know came out exactly the same. Also, hopefully, you're reading the. The uh, the site anygamers.com. It's a blog with words on it. If you're still li- if you're still listening to this podcast, by the way, you're one of the cool ones who stayed through through and through and listened to us. That's right. So you're you get, cool you get a prize for that. Send us your address, and we we're not sending you a prize. Anygamers.com. Um, one of the few ten survivors of the Web 2.0 earthquake. <laughs> Web 2.0. Web 10.0. It's like we still have an RSS feed. Remember RSS feeds? Is, is that like the Richter scale? Like. But it only goes to 2.0? Yeah, but like... The, like the like, web like 2.0? 2.0. It's like, oh, that this was only a web 1.0 earthquake. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's the fallout from the Anna Bloggers poll every year. Yeah. That's true, yeah. Like, there's so many casualties every year. Yeah, like... Uh, so uh, many delicious uh, tears. Any uh, Anna Bloggers uh, tourney goes, comes up, it's like 10,000 blogs just go... Eh. Yeah. The, it, it was as if 10,000 blogs cried out and were suddenly silenced. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, fear th- I fear something that joyous has happened. So anyway, uh, some, some other things is uh, Ink and I are going to be at Anime Next. Uh, are you running any panels, Ink? No. Okay, I'm running two panels. First is called The Beautiful Backgrounds of Anime. It's completely not prepared yet. Uh, and it is like me riffing on the idea of changing faces of anime, which was my character design panel. This one is about backgrounds. Uh so I need to actually do research. And by do research, I mean just, like, read every single article on Anna Pages daily uh, and just, like, actually learn about backgrounds. I need to do, the, to do that before I actually run the panel. But that should hopefully be really cool if you like changing faces. Uh, and the other one is something weird called Mini Panel Lightning Round, which I still need people to be on. Um, and that's, like, I'm doing... I'm setting up a, a situation where I've got five panelists, including me, running each running one ten minute panel inside of the hour that uh you know with like ten minutes for you know setup and takedown and other stuff. Uh, but yeah, it'll be like everybody's just gonna get up and do one little panel. So I think Vinny's gonna do one. Vinny from All Geeks considered. I'm gonna see if I can like rope Ed Chavez into doing something. Uh, but I don't actually have my panelists yet. But it should be interesting. <laughs> Watch, come to Anime Next to see if it actually comes together. That's exactly the thing. Yeah, you're not really sure whether it's going to work. I'm not sure whether it's going to work. We'll see. Vinny's in charge of panels, so he made the mistake of actually giving me that panel. It's good to have him in. Anyway, 
I think I'm gonna like leave it to ink at this point because uh, I don't I haven't watched the show that we're talking about. So you're gonna be in charge of running this thing. I'll just be here watching and critiquing your podcast hosting style. My podcast hosting style is a free for all because I hate hosting. He's wild, man. He's untamed. You can't stop him. He's a loose cannon. <laughs> Turning your badge. <laughs> Turning gun. your badge and gun. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess we should just start off by saying this podcast is about Mysterious Girlfriend X, which uh, started airing summer of 2012, uh, started in April 2012 Mm. uh, by Crunchyroll. And it's one of the most disturbing romantic comedies that I've seen put out in a while. Uh, Ypres, do you want to describe why it's so disturbing? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Okay, so essentially what a Mysterious Girlfriend acts is about is a young lad called Akira Tsubaki, and he's an atypical teenager, goes to school, has an uh, older sister. Yeah, 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 everything's cool. One day, he comes across a really strange girl called uh, Mikoto Urabe, and Urabe is... She's, she's, she's just like... The best way you can describe it is she's one of those people you see in the background of any high school or uh, public school photograph. People knew about her. They just didn't know anything about her. And so one day he accidentally discovers that... Well, what he does, he comes back from school. He comes back into school because he's forgotten something. Yeah. And he wakes her up because she's fallen asleep on her desk. And she leaves behind a small, viscous pile of, well, dribble. Yeah. And so in a fit of... Madness. I don't know... Madness or protagonist um, need to make plot move disorder. He picks up <laughs> a finger full of the drool and sticks it in his gob. Well, actually, um, it's, it's based off of a, a sort of an unnatural compulsion he had because of this this dream. He's he's a sexually oh, awakening yeah. teenager, so he had this dream about a flower dripping viscous fluid or goop, and this puddle sort of resembled that. So he yeah. sticks his finger in, and. Literally that night, he has one of a really strange dream, and the next day, Arabe turns up and she's like, "You put your finger into my drill and tasted it, didn't you?" And he's like, y-. and surprisingly, he's like, uh, "Yep." And she says, "Okay, well, I've been listening to the little voice in my head, and I know that you and I are destined to be boyfriend and girlfriend, and you're going to be my very first sex partner." I was like, "Boom! There you go, folks." And yeah, here's the weird thing. Now. Sabaki cannot be away from her for a very long time without feeling dreadfully unwell. He finds this out because the next day he's literally worse than shit. He's literally in bed, terrible, you know, flu-like symptoms, and she comes in and says, here, and she sticks her own finger in her own mouth and lets him taste the next day right as rain. So he needs to taste her drool in order to be A-OK in life. And so the episode and the series begins in their weird kind of pseudo-sexual, frustrated teenage angle of romantic comedy. And I love how Ink kind of sold it as a disturbing romantic comedy, because the next thing I thought was, it's the feel-good hit of the year. And you know it is, <laughs> because as, 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 as unnerving as the image of the, the, the drool, which is honestly animated, and I'm going to avoid the word I used in Otaki USA, because I, people will not sit down to eat dinner with me anymore after I use the word. Um, but it, it, the, the drool resembles seminal fluid. <laughs> so to, to I was going to go with honey, man, but go ahead. Let's go with that comparison. <laughs> but it wasn't yellow, so... Yeah. Uh, We're getting but, stuck on this, folks. 
Yeah. Um, anyway, it's despite that disgusting image or unpalatable image, it's the the properties of the drool exchange, which actually you know lend from magic realism. This this by taking in each other's drool, the the bond between the main characters Urabe and Sukabe, um, they can share feelings, emotions, images. And they really can't hold anything back. It's an open floodgate. So, God forbid you want to hide anything from each other. Yeah, you're dead. Like she's 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 the like you know the way Counselor Troy was the worst uh, telepath in the universe. She's the best telepath in the universe. Like I know you're uh, you're sensing something. Puts her finger into uh, Sabaki's mouth. Puts it in her own mouth. Okay, you were thinking about my ass, weren't you? And it is like that. Yeah, it just requires a medium of um, sort of like saliva to actually work. Mm. Um, and it becomes like a constant sort of thing throughout the series as saliva becomes a kind of like sort of medium for communication that's non-verbal and like unavo- unassailable because you can't really lie when someone take, you know, takes a, a finger full of your old rule and then knows exactly what's going on. Um, and I think not really much of a spoiler, but in a later, in a later episode, if she ends up accidentally transferring an injury to someone else because of it, um, she actually which, intentionally transfers an injury too. Yeah, that was a bit, that was a bit, that was a bit dickish. It was like, oh, let's experiment. Let's, let's see if this works. Oh, it does. Sorry about that canned cut you've got now, but at least we know now. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. To be fair, everyone was quite cheerful about the whole experience. So, you know, it was, it was no bad blood there. And that great time was had by all. The reason why I'm kind of on here, just to kind of like explain my presence early on, is I'm not the biggest fan of this show. Um, really? I know that... <laughs> okay, well, I, I kind of railed against it um, initially, but I, re- I read the manga beforehand, um, before the actual series came out, and there was something I didn't quite articulate very well going on that I was not a fan of. And I kind of watched the anime series and went, yeah, I'm not a fan of it. Although, I have to admit, the whole medium of um, drool as being a kind of medium for a relationship and also for the various powers it has, I'm not that bothered by it. I mean, I think it's quite a powerful idea, as we've just mentioned, as, as Inc has mentioned. It's a really powerful idea that you can kind of have this as a medium. And it's, you know, I wouldn't say daring, that's a bit much, but I think it's a very, a very sort of intelligent, a very interesting way to work a piece of mystery into the story of like, okay, this is a weird property, but it's a property is shared naturally in these characters like i think one thing that constantly pops up and i think it's actually quite interesting as like a barometer without having to go into too great a detail is like if someone tastes the drool as being sweet it means they're kind of hit up about something or sexually pent up or you know you know they feel they've got overflowing emotions of sort of affection where so if you're tasting it sweet you know that something's going on it can cause like a physical reaction like you know the whole Jap- the whole you know the typical sort of nosebleed reaction you see in anime like you know when you know man falls onto tits man explodes into a fountain of blood out of nose <laughs> thankfully it's a bit more restrained in this show or i think everyone would have like you know lack of blood but you do have that i think it's quite an interesting sort of facet of things yeah it's like um, the the what you're saying there instead of it being kind of an outward thing where you know guy gets sexually frustrated spreads blood from his nose the characters kind of internalize this in the in the dreamscape that they fall asleep to every night and it's actually in the dream sequences that we actually learn what's actually going on with them for lack of a better description like uh, Sabaki's dreams are kind of this weird almost New England-esque set carnival circus world where everything's got this weird kind of organ music and nothing makes sense and there are buildings coming out at odd angles and in the center of it all is always Arabe and it's usually when they actually interact with one another that we realize what it is that's going on in, in Sabaki's head and also you know 
we kind of we do see Arabe's side of things when Sabaki gets to sample what her dreams are like, but it's not on the same level. So a lot of our interpretation as to what Arabe is going through, or not Arabe, but uh, Sabaki is going through, a lot of our interpretation happens through his dreamscape because. What's actually going on with him in any particular episode, like in one, he's kind of pe- um, head up about um, wanting to physically interact with Arabe. Not in that sense, get your minds out of the gutter. Um, oh, come on, it's always in that sense. Yeah, okay. But he wants to physically interact with her, and literally it's been building to a certain point in the episode where he needs to physically get it out of his head. And he does, but the minute he does, and you guys know the episode I'm talking about, he, the minute he goes, he instantly regrets it because he crossed the line that he shouldn't have, and he spends the rest of that episode kind of literally beating himself to death about it because he knows he crossed the line and he shouldn't have. It's also the fact that he was told beforehand not to cross that line in no uncertain terms. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I mean, the dreamscape is quite interesting in the fact that it is like a natural barometer for his emotions, whether he likes it or not. Although... Yeah, one of, my main, one of my complaints about these sort of dreamscapes is that they're really fascinating and they kind of evoke a sort of parade of everything under the sun style feeling from Paprika, if you remember mm. that. But the main annoyance that I have, and this is something I'm going to raise them up a few times, I'm, I'm bet, but the actual character Subaki then immediately analy- overanalyzes them to death and tells you the meaning of them in a very boring, expositionary fashion, which kind of kills the entire joy of the dream sequence for me. And I'll actually join you on that, even though I really love uh, the dream sequences themselves, and I, I, the, the thing that bugs me most about them, aside from the over-explanation, is... Because let's face it, just watching like that egg scene when you know Arabe, he's fantasizing about Arabe feeding him uh, part of her omelet uh, because yeah. you know that's sexy. Um, that he's floating around in a cracked egg shell with her through this dream world, and uh, you know it's it's sort of like a tunnel of love sort of ride, and it's beautiful. Um, but aside from the over explanation thereafter. You also get beforehand, um, sometimes what also influences dreams aside from uh, drool interaction is just his observation of his friends and their relationship, how that's going. And his immediate want is like, oh, wait, I should be doing that. So now he's going to have a dream about it and wake up from it and decide to do it. And it's just like this multi-layered redundancy. Yeah, but I think what's come, well, and I, I will agree with you that there is kind of an over-explanation, like it's kind of beating over the head. It's like amateur psychology night every time he goes into one of his dreams. The only good thing about it is right after that, instead of spending, like, there is one particular episode that spends, I think it's two or three episodes dwelling on, on one particular character, and, and we'll talk about her in a minute. The thing that kind of compensates for the cookie-cutter kind of approach to psychology and dreams um, for that is, Right after that, the character knows what they have to do, knows what they have to say, knows where they have to go, resolves it, boom, 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 and that's the end of the episode, and we do not have to deal with that again. And yeah, we will get it repeated over and over again, where he'll go to another dream, get another explanation, go through the same action again. But as he does, and we're talking exclusively about Tabaki here, as he does, he kind of, you see bits of his character coming together, so by the end of it, the final episode, he doesn't need to worry about it all that much, and then therefore, by extension, we don't have to worry about it. It's like, no more explanations. This is as it is. There you go. Done and done. And I think that's the best thing that that happens from that, is that they do not dwell on it. They don't go, oh, you remember episode two when he was dreaming about this? Well, let's come back to haunt him here. No, it's just it's done in episode two, and we're done in episode two with it. And that's that's the saving grace of having it over-explained to you. It's a saving grace, but it also causes a problem where he 
continually makes mistakes of the same, not the same exact mistake, but the mistakes of the same vein that he keeps perpetrating. I mean, one of the things that kind of, I, I mean, I re- as, as I mentioned, I'm not the biggest fan of this, but I rewatched it in the first episode. I was kind of struck by how confident he was. And I was like, okay, why did I hate this character? What's going on? And then halfway through the first episode, he kind of gets knocked on his ass by the whole draw thing. But then he gets knocked down to such a degree that even after it's resolved, he seems to become much more sort of simpering. Like his character itself has kind of been knocked a bit too far. So he ends up, kind of overcompensating and like festering around way too much with all the problems that do come up. So every single time something knocks him back, he's becomes for about five minutes, a useless like sort of main character protagonist in a romance comedy, romance comedy. And then he gets it kicked out of him by a dream sequence or an explanation of someone just saying you fucked up. Mm. What I, what I like about that though, is the fact that he's, you know, a learning to overcome his own, you know, inherent uh, indecisions or uh, mm. procrastinations. But also, it, it shows him thinking about Arabe uh, and her her uh, wishes and how that would affect her, which is actually kind of really immature for uh, a rom com because usually it's you know male protagonist, you know whatever is best for him, and the woman will inevitably you know fall. But um, you know, in this one, Arabe has obviously got some issues because <laughs> she carries around a pair of scissors in her panties uh, <laughs> and wields them. Uh, and he's not only threatened, you know, or, or wary of that, but he's a genuinely nice guy. They built him up as a nice character who's actually considerate of other people's feelings. So I feel that contributes a lot to that sort of wavering in his character. I'm going to jump in yeah. here yeah. Uh, and ask a question. So when you say nice guy, how close is he to, like, the capital nice guy, or is he, like, an actual nice he's guy? Like, he's, an actual human. he's an actual human. He's not one of these people who are like, oh, well, I did a nice thing for you, so have sex with me. Like, Tumblr, right? No okay, Cupid, not case. Right, right. He's not like <laughs> okay. that. Um, but no, I mean... Uh, and, like, and, I mean, there are lots of anime characters, like, male anime characters, who are, like, their only defining feature is that they're a nice guy. So, I, No, like, this guy... I, I'm curious about how how much he differs from he's that. a normal guy he's not he's not just nice because he thinks he should be nice he's nice because he is actually a nice person he's not just putting it on to try and get in her pants um although he turns he does try too hard in getting getting what he wants i mean i'm gonna tangent here very quickly so so i'm not gonna, i'm not gonna try and drag this out but one thing i would have liked actually was a bit more interactions with his sister because it's just him and his sister living in his house right Cause his parents work away you know that normal anime trope well his mother's um, dead and his father is just really old in the series. Uh, I don't think they really ah. get too heavy into what his dad does. Okay. I mean, I would have liked him interacting with his sister a bit more to kind of humanize him a bit more because his sister can seem quite on the ball about the whole thing throughout the entire series. <laughs> she knew what the hell was going on. The very uh, last episode focuses on her. I know you said you kind of skipped around preparing on the, on the last yeah, it's, half it's of been the series. A- it's been yeah, it's been a year since I watched the entire thing, unfortunately, so my apologies. Yeah, it's, um, it's the, the last episode kind of absolutely slams home a nail uh, on the subject of his family and it's actually interesting you bring up his sister because his sister is actually the catalyst for the final episode because she happens to run across Arabe and it's interesting how the sister throughout the whole show does not actually openly cotton on to the fact that Arabe is going out with Tsubaki she thinks that Arabe is just his classmate and in actually talking to her about uh, Tsubaki Arabe actually understands what the deal is with with uh, with his mother, and um, because he never actually brings his mother up once throughout the whole conversation, that, that the first twelve episodes he never brings her up once at all, mm. and Arabe doesn't bring her up at all. But it's the final episode actually um, talking with his sister throws her off completely, and it's it's actually my favorite episode because Arabe spends a lot of the time 
trying to understand where is Sabaki coming from because through all of the, the after all of the, the TV show anyway she's she's literally the one in command she's the, the driving force in the relationship and in the 13th episode she literally takes a back seat as if she's trying to figure out this person who she suddenly managed to walk into a relationship with she now kind of she's she's not freaking out but she just wants to understand and it's nice how the last episode they just go okay we're going to put the brakes on absolutely everything because, yeah, we know we're in our final episode, but here we're going to take our time. I mean, I think it's a bit weird to use... I mean, no, this isn't a complaint against you, but it's more the fact that, like, um, the way you say walked into when she's the one who set the terms of the relationship to begin with... Yeah, it's almost like she, she, um, she does it kind of, like, da-da-da-da-da-da, and now we're in a relationship, and it's like literally on the 13th episode, she actually realises, wow, they, they, yeah. it's like... And it, it's not like, you know, it hits her like a revelation. It's the, it's the first time she's actually spent time thinking about it. Not rather than him yeah. or her. It's one of my main sort of frustrations of the show. I mean, at least, in, especially from the manga, because that's on a longer time scale. But um, is that there's constant sort of relationship resets between the actual two main cast mm. um, due to various knockbacks, and that actually explained a lot of it. Um, where you know that she will just go like, "Oh no, we're, we're, we've moved back a stage now," and it's kind of annoying because it just it always seems exceedingly arbitrary when it happens because the, the issue is solved, but still there has to be a price to be paid. Which I suppose you know, hell, people are fickle like that. But it's yeah, that's one of the things I kind of wrong i, I mean i'm gonna i mean to be fair i can't when, when you guys introduced when you guys offered me to do this podcast so forgive me i'm taking over again but when you said i said oh yeah we know you don't like it but we'd like to hear your opinion and actually to be fair in watching it for this again i found my like so i sort of steel cold heart thawing a little on this and i actually enjoyed it like not i'm still not hot on the series but i think i've warmed up to it but the main thing about the series i mean i can forgive i will not forgive i quite enjoyed the idea of the draw thing as we've mentioned already i mean we can talk about more frankly there's a lot of interesting things there i don't mind the characters it's just the fact that it doesn't have a lot of i mean it's, it's very whimsical with the dream sequence it's quite whimsical with some of its relationship items but the main thing is it always feels like it's always forcing and over-explaining things, and there's a certain lack of confidence or tact in how it presents its story that makes me want to scream at it. Because if it just had a little... If it just had one hand off of the steering wheel and let things, like, drift a little, I think the series would be, series would be a lot stronger for it because it can't help explaining what's happening constantly and having characters exposit to each other that drives me bonkers because if it had that, if it had that confidence, I'd be a lot more... Well, I'd be a lot more welcoming to it because I'd let it could then get on with things and do things at its own pace instead of having to keep chotaining the audience by going, "Oh, this is what's happening. Catch up." And it's like I knew, like, mm. and also if and also if I don't know, that's fine. Like I'm happy with not knowing what's going on because hell, it's a relationship. Who the hell knows what's going on half the time? Yeah, but, but it's anime, so it needs you to know what's going on at all times. <laughs> yeah. And another thing that that that, that kind of I, I, it's not an explanation, but it's an interpretation rather than an explanation. Like in a, in, a, in a newly formed relationship, especially young teenagers, they're so hyped up, they're so head up about everything. They need to know everything. They need to have everything explained to them. There's dozens of times when you're going to have miscommunication. You're going to have loads of times when you say something and they interpret it in a different way and there's a huge argument and then you have to spend weeks trying to explain yourself and then you have to spend weeks groveling on the floor. And literally, this show does not have that time frame, that time uh, line to 
do all of that. So instead of that, they wrap uh, Arabe and Sabaki into this really compressed universe where it's just those two, and it's literally, uh, how does she think of me, about me? Uh, I'm worried about her. Uh, I'm worried about uh, other people. I'm worried about how far I've gone. Look at those people. They're going out with one another. Uh, why am I not there? And he's literally, it's almost like a, a James Joyce-esque stream of consciousness. He's constantly worrying. He's constantly thinking about it. And literally, it takes 13 episodes for him to go, I don't need to worry about it, and I don't need to have everything explained to me, and I don't need to have someone hold me by my hand. And it's literally, from my interpretation, they've compressed this relationship into 13 episodes and deliberately made the terms of reference the way she's in command and he's not. They've done this because they don't have 24 episodes or 52 episodes to break them up, put them back together again, break them up, put them back together again. I mean, well... That's my interpretation. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of don't buy that because I mean, between first episode and second episode, you have a month mm. of gap. Which, to be fair, hell, when you're young, relationships move slow because you don't know what the hell you're doing. Um, and I finally, I really enjoyed his like Subaki's conversations with his friend about things, and he was in a secret relationship as well, which makes the whole thing a bit more interesting when you can tell that they're secretly supporting each other, but they're being awkward and teenage boys about it. But the thing that, I, the thing that I mean is that they they compress the relationship, yes. But a lot of the communication that occurs is not directly resolving issues. It's just expositing. Mm. Like they have, they have solutions to problems. But the the problem when if they had more, if they stopped talking, if they stopped expositing and kept talking instead, it would make it for a much more satisfying show because it actually have the information you need, the information they needed as a couple to carry on. And like I said, there's enough outs in the show already through the dream sequences and through the drool and the transfer of that that they could have quite easily given themselves an out or a narrative sort of shortcut to then not have to exposit wherever everything happens i mean they i mean i don't mind people explaining things what's going on but i don't like it when they prime it have the explanation have the actual event happen explain it and then have a cool down afterwards it always seems very it always seems like someone's fretting over you like they keep tugging your like you know you've got you put a tie on but they keep tugging at it it's like i'm fine Leave it alone. Yeah. I know what's happening to these characters. Please. Especially when the show has shown it can actually do what you want. Like you're, you're looking yeah. for a, a, a like good image based storytelling and it has like every once in a while you, you'll cut to, there's one moment where Oka's getting really steamed up over getting her hair ruffled or something. And you don't see her um, in one particular instance get steamed up again. Instead they cut to like this piece of food, this bacon wrapped, whatever she made. And the bacon just unwraps and the, f- the filling falls out. And it's like, yeah, yeah that. Or like the, the that episode where uh, Subaki's beating himself up over what he did. Um, if you look at the chain of events from him walking and passing this lush garden with pink, ro- uh, pink roses or pink uh, petals, maybe Subaki, I, I think that's a pink flower. Um, Camellias, yes. Yeah, um, and it's lush green garden. Everything's beautiful, and then he goes to the place, and he comes back during a rainstorm, and there's petals strewn about the garden. There's gray sky, and that just completely tells in a romantic way everything he's feeling. And they don't actually have him beat himself up there. They do have him like narrate it later, but it's it's a solid little piece of storytelling, and little bits of that are strewn throughout. But I. I I joined in with Elliot and wanting like more of that, but also, yeah. as Ypres said, I don't think they had the time to. Um, I also think that um, something we need to address is that um, it's not a lack of, of 
of storytelling ability on the part of the show's producers because um, I was just looking up my notes and I remembered that this is actually directed by uh, Ayumu Watanabe who also was doing Space Brothers at the moment and I think he was mm-hmm. doing both shows simultaneously at one point literally I can tell you from watching 52 episodes of Space Brothers the man is not incapable of telling a story he's very good at it but I think what's happening here for him in, in echoing what, what Ink and also what Elliot is saying is I think the little flourishes that Ink's talking about where they get it, they nail it right on the head I think that's more to do with Watanabe literally trying that bit extra but I think he's constrained by the fact that he's working off an existing storyline and he has to stay within a certain set of boundaries for the storyline to work but you see I've never read the manga so I don't know how close it's sticking or how it's not sticking in some cases to the manga. Elliot has and I haven't so I'd much prefer it if Elliot could say to order from it whether it's actually staying on point for the manga or not. It kind of elaborates a lot on um, elements like the dream sequences. Um, the, the dream sequence kind of occurs in the first chapter, the, the massive sort of first reveal of the dream sequence and the dancing in the in the dream world, the upside down world. I think it's called. I might be wrong. Please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Um, but they they kind of stick on that, and it's a massive two page spread, and that's it. And I think the series uses it to much greater effect. It rarely turns up in the manga after there, mostly because I, I bet it takes a bloody age to draw it. Mm. Um, but it barely turns up after that, but it tu- it gets referenced. Like, people says, oh, I had a dream. And I think the entire opening sequence with the flower, you know, the flower filled to the brim with honey then spilling over into what looks like a pool of drool, that was never in the actual manga. Mm. Um, so when I first, when I started catching up again today, I was like, oh, wait, they put this in. This is totally original. This is a good idea to put in. I think that, I think certainly the, the manga kind of suffers a bit from having 22 page syndrome where it has 22 pages for a chapter and it has to do something in that page. So it can't just, sort. it doesn't have the sort of space or the comfort to then drag out like, well not drag out, but sort of lay out a story over multiple sections so that it has to have at least one point occur in the actual story. So it kind of has to get home something and then go and then finish. So that's maybe where the manga falls over, but it has been a few months since I read it. The sequencing is also a bit off. Like I, I, after the, the series finished, I, I went back to read the manga and, uh, I, I was thinking, all right, this is going to be awesome. Cause they have like 50, 60, 70 chapters out now. And I was like, Oh great. All the more of what I loved. And I went back to read it from the beginning and the, the various, uh, benchmarks are, uh, kind of, alternated here and there and don't make for as uh fluent a narrative that the the series presents the series the tv series itself kind of rounds off the corners as it were um especially as you mentioned with pacing that's i think greatly improved actually in tv show it kind of presents things in a lot more natural fashion of development and like the character and mostly just character character and like literal character development as they like grow and figure out how relationships work and how they can express themselves. Mm. I mean, I think, I think to, to jump back a bit, I think the main thing is that like, I have a very low sort of like threshold for, exposition and being and don't tell i have a very low threshold for when people when people for show don't tell and so that's kind of what makes me flip out slightly about it and rage at my tv and you know write ten, five pages of notes in my notepad for this um podcast <laughs> about it um so yeah it's just one of these things where like because the exposition comes in so heavily it always feels like it's forcing things and like now talking to you guys i can see where it has a, it has a lot more verisimilitude than i was giving it but it's just kind of it's, it's kind of um obscured by just my blinding distraction by the fact that it can't leave things alone. Yeah. Do you, do you think maybe Watanabe was, was 
he was tinkering with it, and he was like, well, we can change it here, we can change it there, and the show's producers are like, but you have to stay on point, you have to get to this point in, within the chapter, within this episode, and he's like, okay, fine, and he's tinkering with it, and in some cases where, you know, the dream sequences are expanded, um, a little more kind of subtle artwork is going into, like, you know, emotional exp- exposition, you know, that works, but whenever Watanabe tries to really tinker with stuff, it's where, kind of, you were saying there, Elliot, it's like, it's explaining itself, and it's explaining itself, and it's still explaining itself two episodes later. Do you think maybe, again, as much as Watanabe is, is improving things on the manga, he's also getting it wrong in that he's trying to tinker with something that really, like you were saying, should be just left alone? Just just get on with it kind of thing. I don't want to put it down to one person, because I don't know anything about the production process of the show itself but i think it might have been a question of priorities um where they had to they, they had to get certain things in but they uh, it might have just went out of time and just said okay we need to we need to get this across somehow so we're going to tell them i'm not sure um it could be it could even be the marker who demanded certain things of the production who knows yeah. um it's with the but, with the episode limit they had it was it cut, cut at 13 and where they chose to cut it um, actually feels like a decent stopping point as long as you don't require like a full on happy ending where it leaves yeah. off is, you know, more implied, like, okay, this is a solid relationship for, for these 13 episodes. We have managed to bring them through a certain amount of trials and they have passed and they have grown together. And we're going to, we're going to leave you confident that they're going to go off confident with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the best I think that's when romance I think ending romance series is quite awkward because you need to have some way to end it, but I think the best way you can end it is what this series actually did was was say, okay, even if they do break up later, they've both grown as humans. Yeah. Like they're now more emotionally complete people. So that's all well and good and fine. So don't worry about it. Yeah. And and it's kind of like the the two of them kind of don't walk off into the sunset kind of thing. They just walk off as if they were players on the stage. You've enjoyed their company for two hours, and now we are going to leave them. You've learned a bit about yourself. You've learned a bit about them. We're happy. They're happy. Leave it at that, and they walk off stage, exund, and we're done. And it's like, okay, fine. That's great. No problem. I've got it. I don't need any more than that. And like Ink was saying, unless you need more of the story, there's no need have more of the story there's no but what about this person and that person and the show actually does something that's quite good i loved this i actually thought about this i watched a couple of episodes um last night just to to refresh my memory and i specifically concentrated on the last couple of uh, episodes they introduced supporting characters like the sister and the, the, the classmates and things like that they introduced all of these characters and literally the characters are there to help the main cast learn about themselves, but they are not kind of appendages that just get chopped off. They naturally come to an end by the end of the show. It's like, yeah, they learn something about themselves as well, not as much as our main cast does or not as much as we would like to imagine that they do, but they learn something about themselves. And they don't go away going, well, I fulfilled my perfunctionary function within the screenwriter's uh, Bible as to what happens in this series. They kind of walked off going, I'm a pl- and I, I, I go back to this, this analogy of the play. I'm a player, I'm a cast member, I have uh, said my lines, I have contributed to the overall arc of the show, and now I'm going to leave. And it's literally, by the end of the show, you're not worrying about the supporting cast, you're not worrying about, oh, well, what about this character? They're not important. You actually do realize by the end of the show, the most important two people are the last two people you see at the end of the show. That's it, we're done. 
And I like how they treat the cast. They don't treat them, as, as I said, as appendages. They treat them as the cast. And the cast need to be respected enough that you learn something about them, not everything about them. Which is actually what I really love about the um, one of the uh, Sukabi's uh, ex-classmates, the one he was crushing on, Hayakawa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was about to mention that. Yeah, that was a yeah. fascinating sort of spanner. She's, she sprung in there as just this, you know, disruption to plot or anta- uh, a par- partial antagonist to the, the story, a uh, threat to the relationship. But what they do with her, like, my jaw dropped when... You know her her plan went into action. I was like, "Wow, they're they're really rounding out this ancillary character." I was, I was kind of really happy with that. Yeah, like uh, I think it really helps as well because it comes. It's it's sort of an interesting thing in the first episode when he like sort of first introduces her as a as a photograph, hmm. and it's kind of the, that's kind of the most interesting things where they actually show like you know ramifications of people having to deal with things that they thought buried but are clearly not. Um, I mean, especially like his like best his sort of classmate and her his sort of secret girlfriend um, Oku is it? Oka. 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 Uno is yeah. I, I really, oh, sorry, my apologies. Yeah, Uno. Yeah, I like I especially like Oku. Uh, Oka. Damn it. Damn it. Um, <laughs> I keep trying to mention the name of a Toho. What the hell? Um, but yeah, Oka is really fast. I mean, I as I say, I only I've only remember the only thing that got fresh in my mind is that episode six or seven or so. But I feel really, I really like Oka sort of turning up and being an interesting member of the cast because. As you mentioned, they kind of interact with the main cast and they really help sort of push things along instead of just being appendages or sort of also rans. That's kind of the other problem you get with relationships where you end up with also ran characters where they kind of just turn up, do something, then go, I lost, and then vanish like it was a Shonen writing show or something. Mm. So, Well, her, her that determination actually kind of put me off of her a lot because she's in there as a great, like, hey, you're new, I want to be your friend uh, sort of thing. And she's not taking no for an answer. She's seriously got, you know, a, a vested interest in trying to become her friend, um, which is fine. But then there's this like Yuri vibe that develops, I think in the second episode she's in and it just becomes very uncomfortable. Like she makes a great foil, um, for Ueno as Subaki's, uh, relationship mentor, because Rabe turns to Oka at certain points and says, Hey, this is what happened. Um, or she overhears things that happens from Oka, and they they you know have this great um, comparison between love lives, and that's necessary. That's completely necessary. That Yuri vibe just rubbed on me the wrong way because it just was. Uh, oh, I didn't I didn't pick up on that at all. Weird. Yeah, I know the episode he's talking about. Um, the, the, the second episode, the, 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 you're talking about the scene where they're they're sharing the bottle of water, and uh, you know is is asking all these kind of personal questions. I think what what the problem with Uno is is that Uno is literally like we know from from not being inside Urabe's head, but we know that there's a kind of a, a wild forest of ideas running through Urabe's head just by the virtue of the kind of girl that she is. There's this wild gamut of, of ideas that run through her head. She just chooses not to act on them because it's not part of her master plan. Whereas Oka seems to be the sort of girl, and I, you know, I don't want to make it kind of skeezy and sleazy, but Oka is the sort of girl who would actually act out on those impulses. She's the sort of person who would go down that line literally to see what happens and I think with the character of Oka uh, especially she's almost it's almost like she's toying with the idea of being interested in Arabe and then literally 
because of the, the kind of the, the particular talent that a rabbi has that she discovers, she almost literally kind of goes into a situation of this is too complicated even for me. I'm backing off right now, and she kind of <laughs> she kind of settles into this conversation where she's almost pushing Sabaki's buttons to see what he'll do next. And like that episode we were talking, the other one where it's in, I don't know which episode it is, the one that starts off with uh, Oka and uh, um, and Tsubaki having ice cream. And you can almost see her pushing her, his buttons, not on, a, not on a malicious level, but on a kind of a subconscious level. You can see him actually starting to panic based on what she says about herself and Uino's relationship. You can see him panic, and you know, like he freak wheels, he cartwheels right out of that situation. And without actually realizing what she's done, She's now set him up for even more problems, and then later on she's going to drill, no pun intended, she's going to drill Arabe about it later on about it. And you can almost see it like in later episodes, Arabe actually is getting embarrassed by being around Oka. Not because she's an embarrassment, but Oka seems to have this kind of, I don't have a morality nor a subtlety switch on me. I'm just in on mode all the time. She asks her all these personal questions, and Arabe just doesn't want to answer them. And like, And it's lovely how... She's this character who literally comes out in the opening shot after you know we re- reveal the whole thing about the drill thing, and she tells Sabaki, "You're going to be my very first sex partner." And literally, you see her halfway through the show shutting down and being embarrassed. And I think that's hilarious. I think it's it's like she's not as confident as you thought she was. She it's not that she's projecting confidence, but she in her head she's got this master plan. She needs to get from A to B, and she isn't like a control freak where if something happens. It upsets her plan. Literally, your woman Hayakawa comes in, and she's the most disruptive element in their relationship. And I love how they just deal with it. And she's like, yes, you tried to steal my boyfriend. But here's the thing. I'm in a relationship with him. You're a wretch, and I feel sorry for you. Have a good life. <laughs> yes. And that's it. And, and literally, Hayakawa actually realizes right after he kind of mentally says this to her, like, you're a terrible human being, and you have your own problems, and I'm not prepared to deal with your problems. Hayakawa actually walks off and goes, yeah, I'm kind of screwed up. That's why I, I, I love that one scene. Um, uh, Tsukabi's trying to comfort her, and Arabe just comes between him and uh, Hayakawa and just shushes them both. I'm just like, no, no. This this is the this is the situation here. <laughs> it is clearly planned out, and now not his go to plan. Um, I don't know. I I I to go back two points. Um, I I didn't think Oku. I thought Oku was being completely innocent. Um, I didn't pick up on anything Yuri or anything like sort of. Uh, I there's there's a point where she's stroking Arabe's legs and saying, "Oh well, you know, I want these golden legs." I think she's just a bit too touchy feely, a bit too blurting out. Where because you know Urabe is a bit is like crazy sort of um, you know sort of insular in most cases, and so having someone who's I mean I think she's just a foil. Like she's not meant to be. Uh, I think she's not supposed to be overly overly disruptive, but I think she's just there. I think she's just being a different a different character. Hmm. I didn't really pick. I didn't really pick up on anything like Yuri or anything. Ink, like, wait, is your problem there that it feels like it's there for fan service as opposed to for like? even actually part of the character and part of like the development exactly the yeah like I, I, okay yeah. I, like i said I'd... because i mean like that there, there's nothing wrong just to be clear uh i think we would all agree there's there's nothing wrong with having characters who are like lesbian or bisexual or whatever I know. but like i think the the concern and i've i've had this problem in other shows i i had a problem with garay zero because of this like when it doesn't feel like it's authentic and it feels like it's just there to 
you know, to have something for the otaku to make doujinshi about, that's when I have a problem with it. Is that the same sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. So when it's just like, look how titillating this is, and you just go, right, right. And then you look, step back at it and go, no. <laughs> no <laughs> knock it right. off. Yeah, I actually um, like the way Ypres explained it. Like, and uh, uh, Elliot agreed. Yeah, I, I can, I can buy the 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 mindset of Oka because she's been in a relationship longer than Arabe, so of course she's going to have less uh, off switches. So I, I can, I can take that. And she certainly, she certainly seems more in control of the whole thing, anyway. With you know, you know, even when you know being walked in on by the main character, she's just like, yeah, that's a thing. Nah, don't, just don't go yelling it from the rooftops, please. Jerk. Mm. So I don't know. I. Yeah, like I say, I think I, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of came into this podcast expecting to like start railing, but I don't know. I, the show, the show just has a few sort of like progression issues that make me flip out a bit, but that's just because I have a low tolerance for them. Um, I think the show would have been served better if it had been twenty-four episodes, because then Watanabe would have had enough time to stretch stuff, point points out, compress other points, and get to the uh, get to a story where he would be. Well, <laughs> Again, I don't really, I don't really buy that because they would have more time to actually cover more points in a more sort of lucid fashion if they hadn't have talked so much and they hadn't exposited so much directly. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that gets me is that they would have been able to fit it in the same amount of material or more if they had just allowed things a more natural fr- flow rather than forcing. Yeah. It. So, and also, I, I don't know what part White Nabe truly had in the entire thing, so I, I hesitate to give it to a single person um, the flow of an entire show. Maybe storyboarding some, maybe some, maybe there's one jerk in storyboarding <laughs> who's the bane of my life or something. I can't yeah. tell. But there is one thing I want to mention. We've, we've managed to skirt this entirely, which is quite funny because it's not just the drool that's a sort of a weird thing about Urabe. It's the whole. Well, Ink mentioned it once. In fact, I don't tell a lie. But the fact she keeps a pair of pants, a pair of scissors in her pants. Um, and uses them to do weird, elaborate sort of like sort of cutting sort of um, elements. I mean, it's, it's like funny, a, but I, I I don't know the point of the I don't know the point of it. That's actually one of the things that I was really disappointed they never touched on because they give like all these hints that Arabe is suffering from some sort of uh, 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 or had suffered from some sort of abuse, and this is entirely conjecture on my part. But yeah, she hates being touched let alone unexpectedly mm. yeah um, she ninjas she jumps she ninja jumps out of the way of hugs yeah exactly and you know she she keeps the this weapon you know concealed on a very you know private area uh only accessible by her and you know i would really have liked to have learned why the like her family's totally absent why um she she mm. mentions going to visit her dad's family but not her dad yeah yeah. So that entire that entire thing comes as a and that entire thing then gets lost as a vehicle to make her reappear tanned. Right. Um, yeah. Which to be, which I'm which not to be fair was about. No, no. Which to be fair was really nice, but in its own way. But I mean, the main thing with the scissors for me that drives it drives me a bit loopy is that whenever she, whenever she like performs an action with the scissors, like when she cuts his notebook into pieces to prove a point or something, like it has a point to it, but it's so sort of blunt it kind of hurts a little. It's like, okay, why did you have this entire secondary sort of route for this conversation to take through scissors when it doesn't need this at all? And it just kind of comes off as a weird sort of look and look, another weird thing we've put in. It's not just draw guys, it's scissors in pants. What? And also to be more quite honest, the drum roll that goes along with their action always drives me nuts because that sounds like an awful piece of piece of music. (laughs) I I actually like the drum roll. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I noticed I, it more like the second time I listened to it for this podcast or the watched it for this podcast. I was like, you know what? I kind of really just like that chaotic drumming out of nowhere and all of a sudden, bam. It's like it's a big drum roll, basically. 
Yeah, I, I, I like the, the yeah. whole scissors aspect. I think, you know, this, uh, this wild idea, and, and I'm probably going to be ripped to pieces for it, but it's almost like like an, an outward projection of a maiden's virtue, for, to, to use some kind of a, a medieval term. It's literally her barrier between um, herself and Tsubaki, because every time he sees it, she use, literally uses that as a weapon to prove a point to him. And it's almost like, this is as far as I'm prepared to let you go. And anything past this, it's you know, it's a it's a it's a baseball bat with nails in it for you, boy. And he kind of it's not it's not that he's a bad kid, but he kind of backs off the minute he she pulls that set of scissors out, and literally he knows that she can literally tear him to pieces in an instant with these scissors. And well, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't you back off, yeah. Christ? <laughs> She's got a pair of scissors. Yeah. But there there is one really interesting instance, and it comes in an episode. Right it's after that episode, where she actually can't misses, wear them. yeah, she she can't wield them as well as she you know thinks she can because she's so emotionally upset. We'll say, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think it's great that she's thrown off like noticeably physically. Um, that all of a sudden this defensive thing she has has become offensive and not of her own intent so she's like losing control and i thought that was a great uh great dynamic to throw into that yeah i I would have to agree i I think that episode you're talking about it literally is turned on its head and she takes the whole episode to actually come back down to her own mental level so to speak I have one rather unrelated question. So on doing research for this, because podcasts and research shouldn't mix, so I'm going to ruin everything yeah, now. Um, did it, have any of you seen the 14th episode of this show, which apparently came out on the physical release in Japan? No, I haven't. No. Yeah, I, I, I found out about this while catching up, and I, it was actually in a, in a Crunchyroll comment thread. So this is like the first intelligent thing ever seen in a Crunchyroll comment thread for a video. <laughs> um, that was a bit harsh. I don't mean it that much, but um, that much. But we are uh, proud partners of Crunchyroll News. I know that's why I'm getting you in trouble. That's why I'm getting you in trouble. That's why I said the video. That's why I added that caveat. Also, you know I'm here to get you in yeah. trouble. Um, of but course. We're not restricted from saying things about Crunchyroll, yeah, by the way. Conflict of interest statement, ahoy. Um, <laughs> but no, disclaimer, I'm not paid by anyone of anything. That's why I'm poor. Um, but no, like there's a 14th episode that's apparently only on the physical discs, and I couldn't find it. So I just wanted to if you guys knew about it. <laughs> I, was, I hope, I hope, on, I I hope was, it comes out in the release that's coming. I was kind of hoping because it says uh, on the the wiki page at least that Sentai also licensed the OVA, so I'm hoping that's included oh, that, with the, the yeah, disc that, set. But it doesn't. Yeah, that'll say. be it. That'll be it. So we'll see what that is. I don't know. That's that's a, that's a mild, that's a little extra mystery for us all now. But uh. but oh, nicely done, nicely done. There was. Um, <laughs> it's worth mentioning also that the manga never resolves anything. Like it's still going, and there's still no resolution inside. I don't think they've actually kissed yet. Yeah. Still. Um, I think I think as you say, Inc, I think the, the anime does a lot better job with the pacing because, like, going back to it, it's actually physically painful. I've watched in a series because well, not physically painful, that's a bit much, but I mean, it, it has a lot more problems with resetting their relationship constantly. Um, not con- well, semi-frequently. Like, any time there's a major arc, it then resets their relationship to being exceedingly uh, even more coy every time it happens. Mm. It, that's the thing that drives me nuts. And while you guys were talking, I just looked up the plot of the OVA episode. And it is literally a summer festival in which um, Arabe and Subaki use their drool powers to uh, defeat a mysterious mask girl. I'm not making that Are up. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm not making that up. <laughs> 
Is it is it mystery is it pretty cure mysterious girlfriend X? Please. Uh, I wish that I could tell you that, but it's not. Um, oh, that'd be so uh, good. I, oh, I need to see I, 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 I need to see this episode now because it's almost like you know, curse is foiled again. After ten thousand years, I'm finally free. Something, something, something. <laughs> um, in, in kind of, uh, I don't want to like conclude things, but you know, I have to say, that, um, I'm glad that I kind of bit the bullet and said that I wanted to to do um, a review of this with Ink because I literally saw that the 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 description for the show and went, mm, this seems interesting. I'm not going to watch it, and I kind of kind of ignored <laughs> it. And it literally was one week before it was going to start broadcasting, and you know, Crunchy made the announcement they were going to get it and that we were going to be able to watch it in the UK and Ireland. And I went, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch this. And I'm glad that I kind of sat down and took notes and actually thought about the show because if I'd have just taken it on the first episode, I'd have turned off the the show. I'd have just gone away and said, that's it, we're done. And by sticking it out, by watching the show, yeah, there are maddening things about it. Yes, they're inconsistent in plotting and pacing. But at the end of the show, I felt that I had watched something decent rather than waste my life on 13 episodes, which has happened on occasion watching stuff on Crunchyroll. not saying... What? Um, but, <laughs> hey, kill Supreme. Yeah. <laughs> but... Everything is not worth watching? No, I know, but I kind of walked away going, yeah, that was a good show, and, you know, it's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD, and I'm going to buy the Blu-ray, despite the fact that it's ridiculously overpriced, but I'm still going to buy it anyway, because I like the show, and I like the idea that I have it, and that it's on my shelf, and it's like, yeah, it's weird, it's crazy, I can't explain why I own it, I don't care, it's cool. And, you know, I will defend the show to people going, it's just a drool show. Because I, I remember the, the amount of vitriol that I read on online publications about this show. The amount of spittle about it, yes. even. Oh, <laughs> oh it's, it's just, a, just another one of those drool anime. I'm, There's just yeah. too many of them on the market. I'm, I'm going to make a horrible comparison, and I've, I've, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot for doing this. But it's, it's something that's come up a couple of times. Attack on Titan. Oh, sorry, not Attack on Titan. Uh, Akunu Hanna, I bet. And, yep, I knew it. And Mysterious Girlfriend X got the same uh, level oh, of vitriol okay. when it first came out because this one for for different reasons. Yeah, the w- both for the, one for the art and one for the concept. And really, art is concept as well. So I immediately linked these two together, and uh, yeah. Yeah, rotoscoping is this year's drool. That's a that's a good. And and I th- I think they're they're both actually. This is coming from a person who hasn't seen either, but the, I think both of those reactions are because it made people feel uncomfortable, right? Like either because of the concept making f- people feel uncomfortable because it's like drool and drinking drool and all that, or just I think like anime fans from people I've talked to have been like really unnerved by rotoscoping as a way of doing anime because they're so used to this particular style of characters. Exactly. I think I think, I think it's like it's like a similar thing where it's like not that they just dislike it, but that it actually like grates against what their what you know their comfort zone. I, th- I think at least um, both of which provide an ample hurdle. Where to be fair, if you're not going to get over that initial hurdle of ew drool or ew rotoscoping, then just carry on. Don't worry about it. We're not, I'm not going to I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and try and sell you on either show. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Akinu Hana either, but I'd say it's worth watching. I mean, I do wish the rotoscoping had a bit more money put in it, but it serves its purpose well. And in the, in the case of uh, Mysterious Girlfriend X, the drool serves its purpose well, and in quite an interesting fashion, in fact. Mm. But there are other things that I find irritating about the show, and the same with Akinu Hana. But yeah, if you're going to take this initial sort of uh, reaction, then 
well, your choice. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't. Yeah, mind. I mean, like if you're going to if if you're going to go down that road of uh, uh, drool, uh, disgusting, you kind of be like. Eh, robots, eh, drama, eh, ninjas, eh, you you can have a reaction, and if that's the case, I guarantee you, your amount of things that you'll like in anime are going to be significantly compressed and reduced. But, you know, if you're one of these people... I'll defend the ear-drool people by saying that robots and drool are a little bit different in terms of comfort zone, and I can totally see people being weirded out yeah, by the drool, I, but yeah. not by robots. I admit the drool is a the drool. The, the, no, no lie. The drool is mildly discomforting, but it's you. It, after you can get past the first episode, it serves a purpose well. It just the first episode does fascinate on it. A bit. Yeah, but and, and it leads it to some of the, a, the just some of the best awe moments because it's it's literally placing the emphasis on emotion and caring instead of you know. Oh, we kissed. It's not about the kiss. It's, the, it's, it's about the what's behind, behind the, the kiss. kiss. Yeah, it's about, actual, it's, about, it's about actual, real, legitimate communication. Yeah, which exactly. is you know, as we all know, in the inside of anime, it's a foreign concept. It just doesn't exist. No one has any real de- deep-seated emotions in anime. It's just whatever the screenwriter demands of you. I was being sarcastic. <laughs> I will admit, there's one there's one show that actually that I if you like if you do like reading about or re- watching um, sort of awkward teenage romance and people trying to do things. I mean, one show that one one series actually is not an anime; it's a manga called is called Love Roma. And oh, you re- you reviewed that for Andy Gamers, I think. Oh, bugger me! Wow, came full circle. <laughs> nice. um, but no, that that well, it, it it was something you like wrote a review for, and then uh, the site went on hiatus. Oh yeah, I remember now. It was stuck in drafts, and then I ended up posting it later. Oh yeah, I remember that. Uh, either way, that's a five that's a five vo- that's a five volume series about a couple who they have the same kind of communication and relation issues that Urabe and Sabaki have. Um, just that they don't have drool, but they are a bit socially dense and so it makes a very good read and it kind of has a few parallels in fact with how they try and get through things and have to go to friends and they then some things they just can't resolve in their relationship but they can't get over certain differences between them but that's fine because they're both humans so i don't know if you want to listen if you want to read something else of that sign that kind of ken i'd recommend that <laughs> because i love plugging that series whenever i can because bloody hell it's good right, well, anything else anybody want to say uh thoughts on mysterious girlfriend x no, I think I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I, I thought I'd be a volcano of rage, but it turns out I'm not. So, hooray! <laughs> I'll just say, uh, like, from reading your impressions of the show and from kind of being a fly on the wall here in the podcast, uh, I'm definitely, like, sold on at least trying it. Uh, and I'm kind of pretty cynical about anime at this point. So a show about drool is not something I would expect to be sold on. But, I like, it. you guys, I think... Made a good um, I just I, I just wanted to say before we wrap up, um, it, it, it's it's an important point because you know I, I would like more people to watch the show to, to understand it. It's as we said before, it is streaming on Crunchyroll.com. You can watch it in the United States, Canada, and you yes. can also watch it on mainland Europe wherever possible. I have also been informed by uh, UK uh, Blu-ray anime blog that the Blu-ray that Sentai put out is region free or at least it's region B, so people in Europe can import it and watch it. Hmm. I know that someone has licensed it here, but I couldn't care less because it's going to be a DVD uh, release because no one in this neck of the woods is going to care enough about it to give it a Blu-ray release. But Sentai are putting it out on Blu-ray. I would heartily say, yeah, go and, and go and watch it. It's cool. June 11th, that comes out from Sentai. And uh, Sentai's also got it on the AnimeNetwork.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, first episodes for free on there, and then the other ones are like for subscribers. But if you have a subscription there, you can watch it there too. Um, yeah, is that it for yep. talking about the show? I think that's it. 
Yep. All right. I guess I'll do the outro since yeah, I did on. the intro. Uh, I'll like come back in here. You've held on. Coming and stealing all the stealing all the thunder. Where the hell have you been? You've held on, boss. I've been being <laughs> sick. I've been being sick in the background, blowing my nose while you guys were talking about Mysterious Girlfriend X. If you like this episode and you want to hear more, you can uh, go to podcast.anygamers.com. That's got uh, our previous episodes, links to our RSS feed, direct downloads, comments, all that sort of good stuff, show notes. And actually, if you go to anygamers.com, that's our blog about anime, manga, and video games. Uh, All of us except for Elliot currently write for it, uh, but Elliot used to write for it. You can find his old posts, including that uh, Love Roma, right? Yep. Yeah, so you can find that Love Roma review actually on the site. Uh, And uh, also, please read Otaku USA magazine. Both Ink and I write for it. Uh, You can get that basically wherever magazines are sold. I know they've got it at Barnes & Noble. They do a digital version now. Oh, they they do do a digital version. I forgot about that. I haven't actually checked out the digital version. Yeah, me and Elliot don't write for Otaku USA magazine. That's because Patrick Macias hates foreigners. <laughs> I have no opinion I don't on that. Know matter. If that's true. I don't, I don't want to spread any anything about Patrick Macias on here. I would like to. I would like to. I'm sure he myself. loves foreigners. I'm sure he yeah, thinks yeah, you guys yeah. are great. I would like to. I would like to distance myself from that quote. Um. <laughs> <laughs> on an unrelated note, Elliot is going to be writing for a Talkie USA magazine next month. <laughs> I am writing for no one. Uh, if, if I write for anyone else, Andy Hanley's going to come and murder me. So. Uh, and anyway, so the the new issue of Otaku USA is coming out soon. It's, it's probably going to be out by the time this podcast comes out. Uh, it's got Psychopaths on the cover. I wrote about Suritama, uh, O Edo Rocket, and Woozer's Hand to Mouth Life. And Ink, what'd you write about for the magazine? I actually opted out because I had way too much shit to do. So I'll be okay, in the next so one. Okay, so Ink Ink wrote about being a loser uh, <laughs> in the magazine. Riyaju so, loser. Yeah. <laughs> fucking riyaju uh so we were also all on twitter if you want to read uh us yelling words at the internet uh annie gamers is at twitter.com slash well we don't need this twitter.com slash at a n i gamers one word uh apparently the annie gamers twitter is way more popular than any of our individual twitters for our reasons i don't know maybe philip or Elliot might have more popular. Uh, no, I, I, I'm followed exclusively by porn bots. Um, so yeah, I'm good. Okay. Yeah, you're more popular. I think that's a win. And, yeah, yeah, but 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 you're going for yeah, quality over quantity, obviously. Uh, so basically, yeah, the the Annie Gamers Twitter account. We just post about the site. We post links to uh, all our posts and stuff. So if you want to keep up with us on Twitter, because nobody uses RSS yeah. feeds anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, just follow our our Twitter account. I'm at v a m p t v o. I'm at uh, animated ink, all one word. Is that an underscore? No, nah, it's all one word. Or, no, it's one word. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I'm at I'm at Ebers Joyce. That's uh, three e's p e r s c h o i c e, all one word. Um, I'm uh, yeah. I lurk there more often than not, so you'll find me there all the time, posting about better people and their better links. And you'll find me at Elliot Page, that's E-L-L-I-O-T, Page, um, all one word. And I often have the case of horrific Twitter whiplash as I go between one topic and another with zero warning or notice. Um, so beware. Uh, sometimes cat pictures appear. Those are the best things I do. Uh, <laughs> 10 out of 10, best cat pictures on the internet. <laughs> there are so many good pet cat pictures on the internet, I can't Better even tell you. cat pi- uh, uh, picture 
is a calf posing with a Raspberry Pi setup, in which case, if Elliot finds a picture like that, that is it. It's over, people. Elliot will never come back to the internet again. He'll just have that photo forever. I've done that. Well, I've made that. I will also just close down shop. Mm-hmm. It'll be like, no more cat pictures. I've made We're that done. picture. I've <laughs> done home. that picture. I put my Raspberry Pi on my cat and took a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not on the internet. Links uh, or it didn't happen. So uh, one last thing is uh, we are in the iTunes store. So uh, I guess if you want to write a review of the podcast that never comes out, uh, feel free to do that. That helps more people find our podcast and hopefully send emails to us telling us to make more episodes, which might motivate us to make more episodes. And when you have, and when you visit the blog, make sure you comment on the stories you're reading yes. so we know you're reading them and enjoying them. And, you know, so we'll write more. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise we will um, sob into our pillows every day. So Your hug pillows? You kind of need to do that. Our hug pillows, no, 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 no. yes. Ink will sob into his Urabe no, 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 hug no, 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 pillow. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. Mine is filled with scissors. No, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold it up. Hold oh, it up. God, hold whoa. It. Editors cry into their pillows, writers cry into their beers. I'm cry- I'll okay, cry yeah. into a beer, that Elliot will cl- cry-, cry into a accurate. whiskey. It'll be Ink and it'll be Evan who'll be crying into pillows because, you know... Editors can't drink because they have to be solid, supportive people who completely support their writers and make sure they're getting enough caring guidance. <laughs> and yeah. enough alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> also, the writers yeah. can't afford pillows. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Question, can you get a hug pillow with a picture of a pint on it? This oh. is important. That is an important question. I'm going to say... I think you need to commission that from the artist alley at your local anime convention. I should. They've already made a hug pillow that's a listeners, tank shell. Listeners, please commission that from your local anime convention and uh, email that hug pillow to us. <laughs> like a picture of it, I guess. And then you can send it for real. If we'll send an address. That's uh, that's the end of the show. Anybody else have any cool things to yell at oh. our listeners? <laughs> Whoever's still listening. Podcast Uber Ale. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to say that some of us will be at Otakon this year. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. If you're in the vicinity and you see us on our Twitter feed talking about it, uh, I won't be there. And I know that Ink might be and Evan might be, but I won't, unfortunately. But if you see anyone uh, tweeting about it, you know, just come up, say hi with... With, with Elliot, you're taking yes. your life in your hands. Yes. <laughs> I might hug you. I might demand. I might demand tribute. Yeah. Who knows? Ask us. Yeah, actually, I I I try to tell people all the time to do that. I don't know if it's just that we don't have anybody who actually like listens to the podcast or reads the blog. But I mean, yes, please, like, come up and say hi to us. We will not be. Uh, we will. We won't be weirded out by it. <laughs> I think it's because podcasts are non-visual mediums. So no one knows who actually look like. Yeah, that's true. In my pictures. But I mean, yeah, if you go if you go if you go to one of our panels at a convention, please like come up and say hi and tell us that you listen to the podcast or whatever cuz that's like the best feeling in the world. Yeah. So yeah, we're telling our non-audience to come up and say hi to us <laughs> at the conventions. Please people who do not listen to us, come up and say hi to us. <laughs> come ask us. We'll have a we'll have the copy of the newest uh, convention bingo available for you. We may or may not have signed copies of a Talk USA magazine, which uh, some of us write for, available on all fine purveyors of magazines, for you to take away and read. And I, I signed dozens of copies in the hopes that someone will. Ask yeah, but here's the thing: that, that the only thing never that happened happened. there is people go off at our signed copies of a Talk USA magazine, and they actually read a Talk USA magazine, and they don't visit AnnieGamers.com. So. What I would suggest is, I know I know it's gonna kill Evan's budget for the website, but if you could buy MacBook after MacBook with the show with the the site already preloaded on the MacBook and just sign the MacBook. And let them... 
What if I just print out the whole site, like ev- all you know, one thousand articles that we've ever posted on floppy disk? Uh, you can put a disk spanner installed nice. on it. Yeah, oh, or you can you can go ultimate retro and just put it onto a little cassette tape, so people can only watch it on a BBC microcomputer. I mean, if you're gonna go retro, go all the way. <laughs> here's here's what's funny. I never told anybody our email address, so I was just gonna tell them to email me, and then uh, they don't know our email address. Anyway, so. If you want a floppy disk with all the gamers on it, and you want us to sign it and send it to you for free, we'll we'll ship it for free. I swear to God, I will, I will do will this you if you free? ask me. I will not clop it for free. Uh, well, you're not already for free. shipping, so you know. I hate you. Uh, so, no, I I kid you not. Like this joke, if somebody emails me and asks me for it, I will I will try to do it. I will send you a flop a signed floppy disk with every article from Andy Gamers ever. And our email address for that purpose is podcast at AndyGamers.com. There you go, it's folks. That is it. To to have the ultimate accolade in hip. I have, I put myself out there. It's over now. The internet's going to take advantage yes, of my promise. You know, someone is. I hope someone does, because I'd be so... <laughs> the last remaining bloke who works in the 3M warehouse in Western Virginia is going to get an order for 44,000 floppy disks. Like, are they still being made? Wow! Yeah, I, need to, I would need to find a floppy disk. That's the hardest part. And, find, like, and get a floppy <laughs> disk reader. Maybe it won't be a floppy disk. I can't promise the floppy disk. But I can send you a signed copy of every article on the site. I, you can definitely get them. They're down, they're down in the pound shop near here. Is that, is All right. It? If you can, if you're in, your, if in your email, you can convince me to get a, a floppy disk. I might do it. Also, you guys are not allowed to make fee, fake emails. Ah, oh, oh, shit! You saw through it. <laughs> Damn it! I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm, yeah. I'm just, gonna the, the, just, just close, close Gmail right I'm now, guys. You're done. Uh, delete Inuyasha underscore Sephiroth 2014 as my Gmail. <laughs> XXX. <laughs> we Lord Sephiroth 420. <laughs> Lord 420. Yeah. I got invaded. I was, Smokes like, mad I was playing Dark Souls the other day and I got invaded by this guy called Satan Satan 420 Weed Lord. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> covering all the bases there, dude. He killed me. It was really unfair. He had a big sword. <laughs> oh. I think we... We've really just murdered this podcast. I think it's it's done. It's completely devolved. It's done. done. This podcast is over.